0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Receivable Savvy podcast. I'm Ernie Martin, founder and managing director of Receivable Savvy, where we provide research and best practice to help master the order-to-cash process. Today, we're speaking with Steve Richardson, commercial director and co-founder with Remilia. What we'll cover today is accounts receivable automation and all the things that go with that. So, without further ado, welcome, Steve.
1: Hey, Ernie. Good to meet you. How are you?
0: Doing well, Steve, and thanks again for joining us and carving time out of your busy schedule. Um, so so to, to get started, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and a bit about Remilia. You know, how did Remilia get started? What is uh, Remilia's mission?
1: Okay, well, uh, thanks, Ernie, and, and thanks for speaking with us today. I really appreciate it. So, yeah, interestingly, we, we fell upon it by chance, I guess, so... Having uh, myself and, and the co-founder, Chris, having had 30 years of um, working in large European blue-chip organizations, we um, we set up a large shared service center for a, a global business back in 2006 and six seven. And as part of that uh, initiation, we were doing quite a bit of uh, change management. And one of the areas we came across where we, we found a problem was around cash application. And it's something in our previous life, it's not really come across that often, so we um, we did a bit of investigating, and um, the obvious thing was uh, this, this organisation had around about 30 to 35 people uh, processing their, their, their cash, uh, a large service industry, so four or five different divisions, uh, global footprint, uh, three or four different DRPs, they were bringing all of that under one large shared service centre in the UK, and um, this problem called cash application came about, and we sat down and thought... Yeah, we'll go and look at what's on the market and look at bringing in some automation. It was a, a very manual process, um, so we we went out to market and, and interestingly, whilst there were a few different options in the market, um, there were some vendors out there, there were some people doing checks. We could could have gone down the lockbox route, um, perhaps could have gone to RERP providers. There didn't seem to be a, a one stop solution for for what we needed for that organisation. So. Um, We went away and sat down and and, and devised a a bit of a plan, I guess, Ernie, and and decided we could probably build something ourselves, so brought in a couple of guys that we'd worked with in the past and and sat down, and over three to four months built quite a nice little prototype, and we really found that there was a pattern to way people were paying from being invoiced. It was, you know, large blue chips generally have people who pay outside of an, an accounts payable. And if you can start to read how those accounts payable systems are working and build the trends up, you can start to see patterns forming. So we built it oh. against the backdrop and um very quickly did, built a prototype and... um yeah, we put it in for those guys, and they were really pleased with the initial prototype we built and quickly went from sort of 34, 35 people and two and three days behind at month-end down to um, five or six people doing it with a very clean month-end close process. So we thought, hey, there's something in this. So we sat down and um, decided to have a look at a few other business, did a bit of market research, and we thought, yeah, there's a gap in the market here. So we went to market. um we set the business up and Remilia, uh, many people say, well, does it stand for something? And yes, it does. Uh, so Remilia stands for receive it, match it, learn it, automate. And what we do is in the name. And I think, you know, we set out to be different. Our software is different. Our sales approach is different. We've, we like to think of ourselves as practitioners. And our software is very different. And we can talk a little bit about how the software works a wide it's different. So I guess we fell into it by you know, an organisation we were working with had the problem, we identified there was a gap in the market, certainly within Europe, and, you know, that was back in 2007 eight. and here we are seven, eight years later, and certainly I would suggest probably the leading supplier of, of cash application software here in Europe, and growing and adding products um, on a fairly regular basis to our, um, our modules, I guess, certainly so. Um, and having been on the other side of the fence, so to speak, for 30 years, you know, ha- having been sold software, we kind of have a different ethic when we sell our software, and hopefully our mission is to make a, a difference, and it is to make sure that, you know, what we say is what we'll do, we, we hopefully, we walk the talk, as they say, so yeah, it's been a-, a really interesting six or seven years, and, you know, we are growing at a, a rapid pace at the moment, Ernie. so yeah, that's kind of our beginnings, I guess
0: yeah, and it sounds like that's that's very intriguing, especially when you mentioned that you fell into it, which I guess in in some respects is ideal, especially if you see a gap in the marketplace and there's a need that that hasn't yet been filled, um, and there aren't already a lot of competitors uh, or or organizations doing exactly what you're doing, then I, I guess that's an ideal situation. In your explanation, you mentioned when you were doing your initial research, identifying some trends. Can you share a a couple of instances as to what some of those trends might have been that sort of led to the impetus?
1: Yeah, sure. So the market in Europe is, um, I guess, across the globe, it's slightly different. So if you go into the Scandinavian countries, it's very advanced on them. You know, payments and receipts, you know, invoices go out and the payments come in very quickly because the banks, AR and AP, are all talking to each other. So, you know, you you talk to people in Scandinavia and they shake their heads when we talk about cash application and uh, cash allocation here in Europe. You come into the UK, um, and we're moving away unlike the states who are still quite check heavy and we can talk a little bit around that and where that's going. But here in Europe we've, we've tried to move away from checks and the concept of the check is starting to die out. I guess it's a generational thing, you know, I'll talk to, to colleagues, uh, the under 30s shall we say. They've never written a cheque in their lives. Um, and we're very much into electronic payments, and we've been that way for some time. So there are still a few cheques in the market, some service industries. So that trend is starting to die. Um, but we see now a move towards much more on-the-day payments, and certainly within the hour payments. We've got a concept called a faster payment in Europe. So as an organisation um, sending out a, 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 an invoice that invoice can be paid and that money can be deposited in the bank within one hour. That's fantastic if I'm sat in Treasury and I know I'm getting paid within an hour of, a, of a, a, an invoice going out. One of the problems we found, interestingly around that, um, in a lot of organisations, while the payment itself was speeding up, the provision of information within the bank um, file was still limited. So if I was a multinational sending a payment, and I was sending a payment for a number of invoices against a number of accounts... Generally, we still have to send supporting information because the bank file format can't handle that. That there right. to be a remittance advice. Right. And interestingly, even though the payments were speeding up, and in, our, in the old days in Europe, a faster payment and uh, an electronic payment would take about three days from from processing to being cleared in the bank. And generally, within that period, the remittance would would, would arrive and would be received, and therefore would tie up with the payment coming in. Nowadays. That remittance is still being transmitted generally um, via email or via the um, the postal service, and sometimes is now trailing behind the actual payment. So it started to cause some issues where the cash was sat in the bank, but organisations weren't able to match this because they were still waiting for that supporting information. So right. we saw that as a problem, and we, we we've kind of. Built our software to to very much overcome that. Um, so yeah, you, you, whilst Europe's become very much the electronic payment, the supporting information is still detached from the bank, so that still poses a, a, a problem, I guess. In our software is you know, is looking to overcome that problem and build a gap between that.
0: Right, right, yeah, and that's 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 a, a common um, issue here in the states as well with with the remittance uh, advice. Um, And and one of our um, partners, uh, Nacha, who is the, um, I guess, the manager of the ACH network, and they oversee the ACH network, they're actually a good organization. They're looking at um, moving to same-day ACH payment uh, in the U.S., Um, but there's been a transition from... You know not having enough remittance advice to having a lot more than they historically have had but again the perception in the marketplace is is catching up to that concept that well ach or or electronic payment has everything that we need in order to apply that cash application um, so so very interesting um, issue that you found in Europe where the payments speeding up but the remittance advice is still lagging behind so and that's something that Ramilia is uh, found an opportunity and has started to address.
1: So, it- absolutely. That's one of our key gaps that we now fill, I think, and, and, and adds value in that chain, I guess. So, yes, and, and, and I think you're right. That will potentially be an issue in the States. With the, the banks won't generally open up the, um, the remittance information through the bank file because if you're a multinational with many accounts and paying hundreds of invoices, you're not going to put that through the bank transmission. You're going to still send that as a separate document. So that is definitely, if there's a warning to be had, that's where it is, I guess, only in that market.
0: Right, right, exactly. And so you also mentioned um, the 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 difference in in Europe and in the U.S. And I've seen this uh, during during the last several years of my travels uh, in and out of the industry in, in both continents. Where you know, as a matter of fact, I'll give you an example. I, I was in the in the grocery store, and I, I always use a debit card when I pay for my groceries. But there's always someone in line who uses a check. And so that that coincides with a lot of research that we've done at Receivable Savvy, where we ask suppliers and uh, professionals who work with supplier organizations, why do they still prefer checks? And we get everything from they're very familiar with it, to they like to hold something in their hand, to, of course, you know, it has all the remittance advice and remittance data that that they can apply when when applying cash. So... A variety of reasons, but but a good portion of that is we're so used to it. And you yeah. mentioned it might be a, it might have been a generational thing in um, in Europe. So from from your perspective, as as Remilia is moving into uh, the U.S. market and providing value to to customers here, um, sort of how do you see that transitioning? You know, in the U.S., how how do we go from The dominance of checks to the uh, preference for doing things electronically. And what are some of those things that you, you see us potentially overcoming that Europe has already overcome?
1: Yeah, and I think you know, I think you're right. The generational, it's a psychological thing. We like to hold something versus the you know go to the black hole and the money's going to transfer, and we can trust it. And you know, we hear about security fraud, so there's a certain distrust in having that check. People still feel safe with it, and I think um, you know. Th- and, of course, I guess the other part of that puzzle is here in, in Europe and certainly in the UK, you know, there are only four or five main banks in the UK. So to make that change and to get that agreement whilst it's slow in the UK, and I would suggest it's still quicker having four or five banks at the table coming up with new processes than it is in the States where that, that, you know, that number of banks is expedited, expeditedly much higher. Um, so to come with a, a decision that's going to change across that continent, it will probably take longer as well. So, you know, what do we see in the States? And we entered the States about two, two and a half years ago. And it's interesting you talked about your experience in the supermarket. Um, again, how that's changed in the UK. We're now going to contactless payments. You know, we see that on our, on the Apple Pay, I guess, in the States. But, yes. you know, all our debit cards now in the UK are basically you touch the machine and you walk out and it, and it automatically deducts it. So it's making even having to put a pin number in, which I know is coming in the States, the chipping pin, we've kind of taken that further again to the contactless payment as we call it where we we touch and pay and, and go and it's it's very very simple and very very easy so in, in the commercial b2b market i guess uh, ernie um still check heavy um and I, and I know i read in the in the press in the business press the, the change towards ach and wire is starting to happen at what pace that will change is yet to be seen i think there's a um talk in the next 10 years the balance will tip They're definitely away from checks into to ach and, and wire um i guess it's how organizations treat you know checks are last form of payment i can extend my cash flow as well um that type of thing and i guess the banks are, are, are making good books out of managing lockbox services is it in their interest to move to ach and wire perhaps you could uh, fill me in on that I, I sometimes question that you know whether the banks are pushing for that because they have a uh, they they own the loft box market in general they make the the money off the lockboxes, boxes uh, and a lot of organizations still rely and trust on those so i think there will be a move to 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 ach and wire and contactless payments in the um, the personal market how long it will take ernie probably your better place to to um, to answer that than i am i think
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a good question if you ask me and you ask uh uh, probably 10 other people like me you might get uh you might get uh, different answers but you know it, it it's, it's some of the research that I've been doing in and, and, and I've done research in this area um and in this space for the last several years probably going back to 2009 2010 and you know there's always been a preponderance of of paper checks and you know every year you get a forecast well you know paper checks are going to uh, be reduced by a certain percentage, and electronic payment is going to grow by a certain percentage. It's it's true that one is decreasing and the other is cre- increasing, but not nearly at the rate where e- everyone expects um, every year. So again, there's still a a sense of well, you know, when are we going to move away from paper checks? And you know, if I had to take a guess, I'd say probably in another. You know, five ten years or so, you'd see a, a, a greater significance um, in terms of a reliance on electronic, uh, in terms of payment, as well as in an invoicing and, and, and other things that are reliant on paper. But again, you know, it, it could be very different. It depends on you know who the players are in the marketplace. It depends on the economy and a few other things. So you know, we could be sitting here ten years from now and still seventy-five percent of Payments are still being made by paper. You know, I, I doubt that that'll happen, but, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, yeah, the, the movement is slow. And I guess it's, it's, it's for, for all intents and purposes, it's slower than what most people would hope for.
1: Yeah, I mean, from our point of view, it, it, you know, it's, it's quite an exciting challenge for us. As I say, here in Europe, we're used to that, uh, the ACH and wire equivalent, that's kind of the norm, that's eighty, ninety 90% of the volume, rather than, I guess, 10, 20% of the volume in the States. So we're already geared up for that, and we find when we talk to organisations in the States, uh, the piece they um, perceive to be the issue is around the ACH and wire, and that lost in translation between the invoice, the payment, and and the remittance. So, you know, we're we're very well placed to cope with that. And our customers typically see automation rates of of 90% plus on on that electronic payment. And that's quite a a transition from from the current, um, you know, ERP or... Generally, what's on the market, they tend to focus more around the lockbox automation. And that, to me, is a great myth as well, and we can chat a little around the lockbox. And the, you know, I talk to many organizations in the States, and when I get to meet them, they'll say to me, you know, we've got major problems around our AECH and why we'd like to automate that. And get that to the same levels of automation as our lockbox. And you think, yeah, and you talk about lockbox automation, and it's quite interesting. While it's automated and a company's receiving data to allow it to load into the ledger and, and, and automate, actually, what goes on downstream to get that automation to happen is very much a manual process. So, you know, we're starting to overcome that and change that mindset with organizations. And actually, you know, whilst we keep the lockbox in place, we're starting to help organizations save quite a lot of money around those lockbox, expensive lockbox keying costs and, and moving away from that. So, starting to slowly move the mindset, I guess, uh, early around that. And, and, and I also got the art of the possible so trying to sell to companies what the art of the possible is. And, you know, we push the boundaries with our software, with what we achieve and what we want our customers to achieve. And, uh, but our customers get it. They, they, they tend to, there's kind of a wow factor. There's a, one of our barriers to selling, you know, our biggest barrier has been uh, it's too good to be true, which I guess is a, uh, it's a great problem to have.
0: Oh, interesting. That's very interesting. Well, you know, what I'd like to do, Steve, is um, I'd like to have you come back um, and talk more about um, how you engage your customers and sort of what your findings are when, when you do engage them. Um, but for now, we're going to wrap up uh, this particular episode so thank you again steve for joining us we we do appreciate it and uh are you able to come back and and join us again
1: sure and thanks ernie for your time today really appreciate it. yeah look forward to, to speaking again soon thank you
0: sure absolutely and thank you everyone for joining us um, you will be able to see uh steve's contact information as well as ramilia's contact information on the website in the web page where uh the podcast sits But uh, thank you everyone for joining us and we'll talk to you soon.